0: mutual friend of ours. Um, but in terms of the work of the Father's Mercy, they um, they focus on missionary preaching. And I kind of had a first love for doing that at the parish, uh, doing some youth ministry, getting in front of groups and giving talks and evangelizing. So uh, the Father's Mercy was really uh, kind of down my aisle, so to speak, in terms of the type of work they do um, and their uh, faithfulness of magisterium, devotion to Mary and Eucharist. So everything was kind of banging on all cylinders so to speak and that's how i ended up choosing the fathers of mercy
1: yeah we have uh father bill casey coming for our summer speaker series event and he led a retreat for us about a month ago uh for the entire guadalupe radio network and i remember speaking to him and it she's, it, it seems like almost he's living out of a suitcase you know going from one place to the next is well what is your lifestyle like are you on the road most of the time uh throughout the year
0: I do the same type of work that Father Bill Casey does. So just like you mentioned, um, I am basically am a full-time missionary traveling itinerant preacher. Uh So I travel and give uh, retreats and parish missions, uh primarily parish missions. Those seem to be the most common requested event. Um, so um, about half of my life I'm doing that, and then the other half I'm living the religious life here in Kentucky, living community life. Um, you know, community prayer, community meals, community recreation, to keep that that religious life aspect of my vocation.
1: Yeah, and I I love St. Joseph Parish in Richardson. I don't know if you've been there before, but how did you or the Fathers of Mercy get connected with the Padre Pio prayer group, or do you know how that happened?
0: Um, Yes, so as I mentioned earlier, the Fathers of Mercy, we... Do full time missionary preaching. So, our mission director receives requests from event organizers and pastors of churches uh, for the Father's mercy to send a missionary preacher to fulfill whatever requests they have in terms of coming in as an outside speaker. So, um, the parish there at St. Joseph requested uh, the mission director to send a missionary, and I am the one. Um, appointed and delegated to come in and, and give that retreat
1: yes the three precious hearts was that a title that they they selected or you
0: they selected it and they had asked that i uh speak about this very topic okay so uh
1: the three precious hearts of course referring to uh sacred heart of jesus immaculate heart of mary and then uh saint joseph as well um, uh, how uh, what, I don't know what the adjective is for Saint Joseph's heart. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, um, but anyways, can you speak or maybe give a little bit of a background about this topic and maybe a little teaser as to what you think you'll uh, be speaking about on August nineteenth?
0: Sure, absolutely. Um, so the goal is to have people more devoted, more falling in love with the hearts of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Um, so you know, Jesus is flaming. Love for his people, um, you know. Also mention uh, how he presented his Sacred Heart to Saint Margaret Mary Alacoque in a private revelation, and his message is there. And also how his heart is present in the Holy Eucharist, and how we are called to draw closer to the Sacred Heart in that um, sacrament, but also to make reparation for the sins and outrages. Of and uh, offenses committed against Sacred Heart of Jesus and in the Blessed Sacrament. That is in a very big way the message that He gave to Saint Margaret Mary Alacoque when He presented His Sacred Heart. And then of course a greater devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Um, you know She uh, presented Her Immaculate Heart to Sister Lucia uh, in private, approved private revelations. Uh, of course connected with um, Our Lady of Fatima. And, uh, you know, how to make reparation for sins against her immaculate heart. Um, but, you know, also for us to be devoted to her sacred heart, to imitate her purity, her, you know, her immaculate state. Of course, we're tainted by sin, but our goal is to, um, you know, become pure like her immaculate heart. Um, and then to talk about St. Joseph, of course, he, um, you know, was the father, foster father of Jesus. And, you know, he has a chaste heart. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, purity also, and just to talk about his, uh, virtues and then as a whole, to talk about how we can devote ourselves to the Holy Family as a whole. Uh, you know, the family is, you know, just being damaged so much in our culture that, uh, we need to imitate the Holy Family. And I will also speak about, um, consecration to, uh, the Holy Family, I'll talk also about consecration and Sacred Heart of Jesus and Immaculate Heart of Mary, but also as a whole, that the family can consecrate themselves to the, the Holy Family.
1: Hmm, that's very nice. You know, we have uh, image, several images in our house of the two hearts. You know, the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart of Jesus, as you mentioned. And I think traditionally there have been those two. Uh, but now it seems at least in my opinion, of late there 's been more of an emphasis on you know kind of bringing Joseph into that mix and the you know as the three precious hearts, father Callaway, of course, um, <clears throat> people know wrote the book on Saint Joseph during the year of saint joseph and uh, is this is this a relatively i wouldn 't say a new addition but a new emphasis of bringing joseph 's heart you mentioned the chaste heart into this you know, Trinity of persons. Would you say?
0: Uh yeah. It definitely seems to be more of a newer wave, uh, at least among kind of the um, known devotions that are spreading in the church, and definitely uh, something that should we should take heed of. Uh, you know, saints said that you know after the Blessed Virgin Mary, Saint Joseph is second after her in terms of you know the greatest saints. So there's every reason for us to be devoted to him as, uh, as you mentioned, Father Calloway did, did a great job in, um, spreading that devotion to his book. So by all means, especially, you know, for men, uh, today, um, you know, men are being under attack and, you know, I think the culture tries to pull men, um, fr- away from the faith, you know, just saying, hey, this isn't manly. Uh, but by all means, um, you know, the virtue, virtue comes from man you know that's the that's the word so to to be a man is to be virtuous and to uh live the faith and of course we have a shining example saint joseph uh, the foster father jesus so so by all means yes uh, as you mentioned it's uh definitely something that we should ride on that wave so to speak uh having a greater devotion
1: St. Joseph. Yeah. Amen. Father Jewel Aitona is my guest. He is a father of mercy, has been a priest for 12 years, and he is coming to North Texas to lead a one-day retreat at St. Joseph Parish in Richardson. It'll be from 10 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. on Saturday, August 19th. Saturday, August 19th, 10 a.m. to 3.30 p.m., and the theme will be three precious hearts of Mary and Jesus and Joseph. <laughs> Father, you mentioned that you will be giving information and instruction about consecration of, uh, I presume, homes to the the three precious hearts. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, what's involved and, and why that's uh, beneficial to people's homes?
0: Uh, absolutely. So, um, you know, consecration um, is you know when something or a person is is set apart for god you know that they now officially belong to god you know distinct from the world so um you know families uh, need to be set apart for god alone you know that the the secular world doesn't suck them in and you know what better way for the entire family to be consecrated to the holy family which is our the prime set example so um so the church does has sanctioned, uh, you know, consecration to, uh, the family, to, um, the, the Holy Family. There's an approved consecration prayer by Pope Leo, uh, the Eighth, uh, in 1892. Uh, I will be mentioning this particular, uh, consecration prayer, uh, in the eve, uh, in the retreat. Um, but yeah, you know, again, just as I mentioned, um, you know, the, the family is, needs to imitate this, the Holy family as St. Pope John Paul II once said that, um, you know, as the family goes, then society will go, right? So if the family is broken, then, you know, the society is going to be broken. So it's also known that the, the family is the domestic church. So all the more that the family is um, imitating the Holy family uh, and that consecration can help in that, um, then all the more the world is going to be a much more better place, uh, much more at peace uh, and following the ways of the Holy Family.
1: Yes. And you mentioned some of the uh, approved apparitions and visits to like St. Mary Margaret Alacoque. And uh, also, uh, I believe you were talking about Fatima with the Immaculate Heart, if, if I if I remember that correctly. What, what have, you know, come out of these... You know visits to um you know saints and what what's the message what what is heaven trying to tell us about this devotion or what what have even in private revelation what, what has been the message oh, generally speaking
0: sure um, so well uh, approved private revelations um i mean in general um, they're not necessarily new messages they really confirm. What God has already revealed in divine revelation through the scriptures, through um, um, sacred tradition and the teaching, the magisterial teachings of the Church. Um So, but you know, at times we do need some some images and some you know detailed messages that could help us to live out the the divine revelation, the Gospels, and so uh, Jesus and Mary, you know, through God's permissive will, they uh, will uh, appear in, you know, private revelations such as the saints and they will emphasize, you know, God's mercy, they emphasize a message to for conversion, you know, and God's love. Um I mean, for example, you know, the the, the Bible speaks about confession, uh how, you know, Christ um gave authority to his priests to forgive sins in his name. Um so but in that context it doesn't speak about, like, the depths of God's mercy that happens in confession, right? So, so like, in a private revelation to St. Maria Faustina, you know, he speaks about his mercy, like, in more detail, in finer images, that we could then be enamored by God's mercy, which, again, has already been revealed in the Bible. So, in terms of the things that I mentioned that would be related to this retreat— you know, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, his love, uh, emanating from his heart, you know, this, this burning furnace of love, um, you know, we have a greater image there and detailed messages, uh, even, as I mentioned earlier, he speaks about, you know, the outrages and the sins and offenses committed against the Sacred Heart. So that's part of the message also that we need to do reparation and, um, uh, atonement for those sins, um, and then, of course, Mary, her Mac at heart, you know, she mentioned that in her revelation um, to uh, three children at Fatima. She spoke about the, the communion of reparation on Saturdays, and then a later apparition to Sister Lucia, you know, speaking about some like fine detailed things that we can do on for Saturdays. Um, you know, so so just those types of things um, in private revelations can help us in our in our faith.
1: Father Jewel itona is my guest. He's a father of mercy, and he is coming to North Texas for a one-day retreat Saturday, August nineteenth, Saint Joseph Parish in Richardson, ten a.m. to three thirty p.m. And uh, Father, I want to just talk about some of the, the just the details of this event. I understand twenty-five dollars, including a box lunch for you know a five-and-a-half-hour retreat. That's, that sounds like a, a bargain. Uh, well, tell us anything else. I understand child care is available. Any other kind of the nuts and bolts of people registering for this?
0: Um, yes. Yeah. So uh, what was mentioned, $25 will, will supply your lunch for that day, but also the proceeds uh, will go towards donating a statue of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and Immaculate Heart of Mary to St. Joseph Church. So it definitely, uh, is going towards a good cause, uh, especially as a follow-up of the retreat that, you know, the information given in retreat can be carried out by a very powerful visual that will always be an ongoing reminder of us to be more devoted to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and Immaculate Heart of Mary of course, to St. Joseph, as that's the patron there at the church. So uh, everybody listening, uh, you know, just please know that um, all proceeds go to a very good cause.
1: And there's an 8 o'clock Mass that morning that you will be uh, celebrating and everybody is encouraged to, to, uh, to participate in that Mass. Will you be at the parish the whole weekend or just that one day?
0: Uh, I'll just be there for that one day. Um, but, I, again, as you mentioned, I will be scheduled to give that 8 a.m. Um, regularly scheduled mass for the parish. So all are encouraged to partake in that as well. Um, and then the ni- there's 9 o'clock uh, registration will begin, and then the actual official retreat will begin at 9, 8, a- excuse me, 10 a.m.
1: And is this something that you would recommend, uh, you know, children can come. I know there's childcare for the little ones, but, uh, you know, if somebody's ten, fifteen, eighteen, 10, 15, 18, would this be geared towards them as well, or mostly an adult uh, type of event?
0: By all means, uh, the whole family. So, um, you know, we're talking about the, the Holy family in there. Um, so, um, come on, come all, um, you know, um, if you're a parent, just keep in mind that uh, if for smaller children, uh, I mean, I will be sharing the messages of Fatima, um, and if you are aware of uh, her message, she does give some some scary images about hell, uh, so I do want to be upfront about that matter, so uh, it'll be up to the parent's discretion. Uh, about what they want their small children to hear on that day. Of course, this is already a divine revelation, but I just want to throw that out there so that parents are aware of that.
1: Yeah, I'm curious, uh, when they come come to you or to the Fathers of Mercy and say, okay, here's our theme, three precious hearts, is this... Uh, a presentation that you have given before a number of times or do you say like, oh, okay, I'm going to go research it and get all my notes together or have you given this exact presentation before at other, at, in other um, uh, places?
0: Uh, as I mentioned earlier, this was a very specific topic that was requested so um, I had to do research for this particular event. Uh, a lot of my other previous talks, I gave them uh, several times because they've been something that was uh prepared beforehand and uh you know I go from place to place giving the same talk so Uh, Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, this was something very, very specifically requested, Mm. and so I am basically doing research and preparing this talk as something new for this particular event.
1: That must be fun, though, to do the research, something that you didn't know a whole lot about, and uh, anything in particular that you've learned yourself that was kind of, uh, oh, wow, that's that's really interesting. I didn't know that. (laughs) Uh, Anything Um, uh, kind of...
0: yeah. Kind of more more reconfirmation um, you know, about, you know how, you know, there's a lot of indifference to the sacred heart of Jesus and the Eucharist and the Blessed Sacrament. Um, you know, uh that we, you know, have to give due reverence and love for Jesus and Eucharist. It's something I was aware of, but maybe kind of more back on my on the back of my mind. But doing more research it just kind of brought it back more home that hey, this is something very, very important, um, you know, that we all give due reverence um, to the Lord and the Eucharist. And then, um, you know, just also the importance of um, First Friday devotions and First Saturday devotions, which I I think I mentioned earlier, um, that is something that, you know, Catholics should really take heed to uh, as a high, high recommendation um, because, uh, what I will mention in my retreat, that the promises that Jesus and Mary made uh, in light of the First Saturday and First Friday devotions. So those things really kind of jumped out back at me. Now, you know, I was aware of these devotions, but, you know, just again, uh, re emphasize in my own heart Uh, during my research
1: yeah and you know in in Fatima one of the messages that our lady said to the shepherd children that really stuck out to me is that she said the the and correct me if I misrepresent this but something about the the final battle will be about the family right there's going to be something about the family do you do you believe that I mean me just comment on that comment from our lady and what exactly that means and how that might be tied into what you'll be talking about on August 19th
0: uh, well, she said that her immaculate heart will triumph. Um, so she did say that kind of within a context of what was going on at the time. Uh, there was a uh, World War One in 1917. So, um, you know, she's speaking about how if we're devoted to her immaculate heart. You know, there, there will be peace in the world. So uh, that obviously applies to the family. Um so so yeah, I mean, by all means, you know, her Immaculate Heart is a refuge that we should turn to and uh she again said it herself, her Immaculate Heart will, will triumph at the end. So um, by all means apply to the family
1: all right uh, father just about out of time uh, i do want to thank uh, again anita tan for setting this up and it's been a long time in coming because with our studio move and we had to keep postponing and postponing so it's uh, such a uh an, a delight to be able to finally talk to father jewel itona with the fathers of mercy uh who is coming to town Saturday, August nineteenth, ten a.m. to three thirty p.m. It is a retreat sponsored by the Padre Pio Prayer Group at Saint Joseph Parish in Richardson. That is where the retreat will happen. The theme is Three Precious Hearts, um, presented by Father Jewel Aitona, and twenty-five dollars, including a box lunch. The proceeds will go to those um, images. I think Father said of the, uh, the 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 hearts, the precious hearts. And um, daily mass is at eight o'clock. And uh, Father, do you happen to know the website or how people can register if they want if they are interested?
0: Uh, yes. Yeah. So the, the current flyer has uh, three different numbers uh, that you could contact. Uh, I will just verbally say uh, one of them: uh, Nanita Tan, four six nine nine eight nine five five zero zero. And then you could always contact Saint Joseph Church directly because since they're hosting the uh, retreat, uh, the secretary there or anybody in the office would be able to give any finer details if there are any questions that arise.
1: Yeah, and I I think I I think I have their website memorized. I think it's JosephCatholic dot org com. I I probably shouldn't say that, but it's something like that. Of course, nowadays you can just do a search for St. Joseph uh, Catholic Church in Richardson. All right. So Nanita's phone number, according to what father just said, 469-989-5500, 469-989-5500. Contact Nanita, say, Hey, I heard father Jewel on the radio with Dave and I want to go to this uh, retreat on Saturday, August 19th. Uh, Father, anything else you want to mention or did we cover it pretty well?
0: I think we covered a lot of ground. Uh, just, again, encourage people to take um, heed to this, especially parents. Uh, again, open to everybody, but especially parents as they, you know, are the heads of their family and their children. And, uh, you know, one thing they'll want to walk away with is the um, the encouragement to consecrate the, their family to the Holy Family. So, Um, you know, just to lay down the foundation of protection of the Holy Family and, um, you know, to imitate their virtues. Uh, So yes, just by all means, um, come one, come all. Thank you.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to a very special KATH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. The reason why uh, this is very special, a couple of reasons. First of all, it's a a very important topic, and uh, I've got a wonderful guest that I'm going to introduce you to here in a moment, but it also is the very, very first interview that we are doing in our brand new permanent, I just put that somewhat air quotes on there, but uh, permanent at least for the foreseeable future studio here in las colinas we moved back at the end of february into a temporary suite um, on decker court in las colinas and now we've moved across the hall into suite 910 isn't that awesome 910 the same as our frequency and so this is the first one and uh it's it's going to be a great one this is an interview that's been long in coming and uh i want to thank my guest antonio gonzalez for his patience because i've had to postpone this a number of times and antonio is a recent college Graduate. He's got a a, a fabulous story. He's a convert to the Catholic Church. And uh, he serves as a pro-life missionary with a group called We Dignify. And they're based out of Champaign, Illinois. And we're going to get a little bit of the history of We Dignify and also uh, Antonio as well. He's also the nephew uh, of Luis Gonzalez, who is the executive director of St. Vincent de Paul here in the Diocese of Dallas. So uh, really interesting connections here. Uh, we Dignify's website is wedignify.org. Uh, real quickly, I'll mention their vision, and then we're going to introduce Antonio college campuses in Midwest communities become centers for the culture of life. Uh, through we dignify, where people treat life with love, new life is welcomed with joy, and people suffering from abortion are led to healing hope. So this is a pro life ministry. So, Antonio, welcome. Thanks for being our our guinea pig for the first uh, interview here in the new studio. Yeah, thank
2: you. It's great to be here.
1: Yeah, and uh, you got a fascinating story. Let me just first start off with um, uh, we dignify. Give us a little you know bird's eye view, thumbnail sketch of uh, what it is.
2: Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, We're a campus ministry right now. We only exist on this one campus at University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. And our main ministry aspect is relational. Um, So our core program is called Small Group. And so this is a group of five to eight students that meet every week led by a small group leader. And they go through a semester-long curriculum um, that is an educational curriculum about the topic of abortion. Um, So the first half of the curriculum is all about what do I believe? Um, so we talk about like the biology of life. We talk about philosophy. We talk about abortion procedures. We show little animations of what those are like. So people really know. Um, and then the second half is all about external. So how do I dialogue about abortion? Um, and so that's where we get into talking about some like apologetics and hard cases. Like how do you talk about rape and incest? Um, that's where we talk about how to dialogue with dignity and have effective conversations. Um, and then we also talk about how to walk with a man or woman in crisis. And then something really awesome we do in the second half of Small Group as well um, is an event we call Daring Greatly where we gather up all our students and we go out on campus on our university and we split up in pairs and approach strangers, students, and we have conversations about abortion with them. And that's something we do every semester. So mm. um, that's our core program and that's really the, the heart of our ministry is um, teaching students to speak for life and giving them the experience speaking for life.
1: And college campuses uh, are an important time in what's well, a time in people's life when they're you know, experiencing independence for the first time. A lot of their beliefs and uh, ideals are being formed. And so this is, uh, I'm guessing, a, a prime time to reach people uh, you know, as, as they're developing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I see it as a lifelong investment that we're making in people because the knowledge and the experience and the confidence they're gaining through being involved with We Dignify for having this experience speaking for life. It means 10, 20, 30 years down the line if they come across someone in crisis or there's a, a friend or a colleague or a family member they want to dialogue with, they know how to do that effectively and they have the confidence to do it because they've done it before. So yeah, we're, we're reaching people at a really formational time where they have, um, strong access to those in need because they're peers of college age women. And then also down the line, they can continue to speak for life and be pro-life leaders.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about you a little bit personally because, you know, you've only told me a, a tiny bit of your story, but I, I went to the website, uh, wedignify.org and you can see a, a brief bio of Antonio. And I'm just going to read a paragraph here. And then let you elaborate a little bit more on this. Antonio first became involved with We Dignify when he was a sophomore in college by joining a We Dignify Pro-Life small group during the spring of 2021. So this was just last year. Small group changed Antonio's belief on abortion from a state of confusion into a clear, passionate pro-life identity. He then went on to be an active member of the lead team in fall of 2021, a student volunteer and youth rally MC at the March for Life Chicago in January 2022, and to lead a We Dignify Pro-Life small group in spring of 2022. So you've had quite a transformation the last year and a half, haven't you? Yeah, that's a
2: great word for it,
1: yeah. Yeah, tell us your story, because you're confused, you're on the college campus, you're a sophomore. What happened exactly?
2: Yeah, so I had lived my life um, confused on the topic of abortion. And looking back, I can see that I was more, more drawn to the pro-life side of it um, in terms of I was hung up on those edge cases of like, what about a rape or an incest? What if a woman can't afford to have the baby? Isn't it an act of mercy to um, not have this baby, you know, be carried through to birth? Um, and I, I didn't really know how to address these confusions. And I also didn't really think abortion was important enough to seek out answers. Um, but so I was content to live the rest of my life, I guess, in this confused state um, and then when I was a sophomore, a friend of mine who was involved with We Dignify, he approached me and he said, what are your views on abortion? And I laid out my confusions for him. And he said, well, we have this thing called small group and you can join and you can ask questions and you can learn and maybe it'll help clarify. And I said, well, that sounds really interesting, but I don't want to make the time. So no, I'm good. I shut him down. And then he asked me again and I said, no. And he asked me again and I said, no. And he asked me again and I said, no. <laughs> and it was probably the Persistence, it, It's huh? really persistent. And We Dignify kind of trains that as well. Um, but it was after maybe the fifth time or so over several weeks where I finally, my intuition got the hint that if this keeps coming up, it's worth pursuing. So I said, sure, I'll join a small group. And it only really took about a month of me, um, going through that first half of small group being shown the truth of what abortion is, um, to, be struck by the reality that human life does begin at conception and that abortion does end at human life. And those are things I'd never been able to claim before. Um, and so from there, I had this desire to grow in this new understanding and also to do everything that I could to defend the unborn because I recognize the urgency of the death that's happening all around us. So I approached the staff at We Dignify and I said, I want to be a leader. I want to be mentored. Basically, show me the path and I will do what you call me to do. Um, And I later learned I'm the only student to ever approach them and ask for mentoring. Most most of the time, that's something they offer to people. Um, So yeah, We Dignify is big into mentoring. Every student leader is mentored on a weekly basis. And so they started mentoring me before I even had a leadership position. And then eventually I led a small group of my own. And then I led a team on campus that serves men and women in crisis. Um, I was on lead team, which builds up to the Illinois March for Life. Last semester, I got to speak at the Illinois March for Life in front of over three thousand people, um, and so all these things I have done are because of that initial conversion that I had of being brought out of apathy and into action because of being shown the truth, mm-hmm. and that's really the power of small group. Um, and a quick story I'll tell as well. Um, I've I've witnessed this type of conversion happen in many other people. Um, when I led a small group, there was six members, five of them were lifelong pro life, and one of them was pro choice. He was from China, an international student. His name is Roger, and. Uh, he joined the small group at my personal invitation, even though he was the only pro-choice person in there. And I really thought that was brave of him. And after just four weeks of being in small group, he came to me and said, I would no longer support the abortion of my own child, whereas mm. I would have before. Um, and he said he was still unsure about what that means for other people. Um, but that conversion that I saw in him in such a short period of time through the small group that I led really opened my eyes To the power of we dignify, and it made me reflect on my own experience. And um, I've seen stories like that time and time again of people really being brought to action through the truth. So
1: yeah, you know, Illinois is definitely a pretty deep blue state. You know, and and that's a political term, of course. But Mm -hmm. uh, they're liberal; they tend to you know vote you know pro-abortion candidates Mm -hmm. into Mm the Senate. And uh, and and you're at a public university Mm -hmm. in a in a deep blue state. Mm -hmm. Is is that challenging? Do you get a lot of a lot of pushback? A lot of uh, you know maybe even animosity among other other.
2: Students. So uh, we found that when we go out on campus and we invite people to dialogue, most of the time if people don't want to talk to us, they'll just ignore us. Um, there isn't, you know, a lot of that um, extreme aggression that you might expect. Um, most people don't, aren't that confrontational. Um, but what does happen, I would say the majority of people are willing to have conversations and almost all the time those end up being very productive. Um, so it's definitely a challenge to, I say the biggest challenge is to call our students to step up to that, uh, you know, what we're asking them to do with it when, with dialogue. Um, but I think once people take that leap, then it ends up being really productive and, you know, I think hearts and minds are changed. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you,
1: uh, you mentioned before we started that your pro-life conversion, so to speak, you know, you, you were, you know, from confusion to, you know, really a, a pro-life advocate also led to your conversion to the Catholic faith. Can you talk it, a little bit yeah, about
2: that? I mean, I can't quite say it led to, but I think it was a major factor. One of yeah. many factors. Um, yeah. So, along with being confused on abortion, I was also agnostic for most of my life. Um confused about does God exist? What does faith mean? And in the similar sense, I was content to live the rest of my life that way. Um, and then summer of 2022, I had an experience that opened my eyes in the sense of I realized I had to figure out faith in my life. Um, so I started to go on a big journey of exploration. Um, over that summer, I was meeting with Mormon missionaries um, twice a week and going to their services. And then once the school year started, I was going to a mosque with my friend who's Muslim and I was taking classes about Judaism and I was going to a non-Catholic Christian Bible study in their services. And I was uh, meeting with a priest every week and I was receiving formation from Opus Dei. Um, So there was all these different (laughs) ways across the board that I was seeking. Um, And I was seeing all these beautiful things in these different faiths I saw and I never knew how I was going to make a decision or how I was going to know what the truth was. Uh, And then in November of last year, Um, just a total gift from God. I had a really powerful experience with the Eucharist, a second time in my life that I'd had a really powerful experience. And um, that it was a period of several days where I just experienced God's presence in a way that I had never imagined possible. And so I was like, well, if the Catholic church brought the Eucharist to me, brought this experience to me, then that's where I need to be. And so Hmm. at that point I joined RCIA and I really committed my life to my faith and, was confirmed last April.
1: Oh, wow. Wow. Gosh, you've had a a, a lot going on in your life in the last couple of years. (laughs) It's it's a beautiful story. Antonio Gonzalez is my guest, pro-life missionary, currently serving at the University of Illinois in Champaign, where uh, We Dignify is headquartered. Their website is wedignify.org, wedignify.org. And, uh, they mentor college students into skilled, virtuous pro-life leaders so they can build and nurture a cultural life on a campus and their future communities. So tell us where you are right now, summer of 2023. Mm-hmm. We know the past year and a half has been a whirlwind and mm-hmm. a lot of change in your life, but, mm-hmm. uh, here you are in Dallas. Um, well, what do you, what are you doing this summer and what's, what's the goal and purpose?
2: So I started full-time as a pro-life missionary on May 30th, um, had a few weeks of training, and then I hit the ground running with support raising. Um, so this summer I'm responsible for raising about 80% of my cost of employment. Um, so a lot of people are kind of familiar with this type of support raising process because of focus. Um, so we're we're not focused, but it's a little bit similar similar in what the goal here is. Um, mm-hmm. So really what I'm doing this summer is traveling the country, inviting people to join me on mission through financial support um, and trying to build those long-term relationships. It's really not um, so much about, you know, just, Getting money from someone, but it's really about inviting somebody through sacrifice to sacrifice with me and be part of what we're doing and join us on, on, you know, changing hearts and minds to save lives. Mm
1: -hmm. You say you're traveling around. Where else have you been? And, uh, you know, and and how do you find where to go? I mean, what's, what's the uh, the, kind of the MO here? Well, so
2: I committed to this job uh, back in last, last winter. Um, So I knew for many months I was going to be doing this. So starting in about January, I've been putting together a spreadsheet of names of people I might reach out to. It got to over 100 people by the time I started. Friends, family. Family. Um, so I started reaching out to all those people. And then from there, uh, I also w- received a lot of connections. Like the reason I am here with you today is because of my uncle, right, connecting yeah, us. And so yeah. a lot of connections like that. Um, so at this point, I've had almost 30 support meetings so far in the last three weeks. And I've got at least that many coming the rest of the summer, hopefully more. Um, and so I started in Champaign after training, and then I went to Madison, Wisconsin. And then I came to Texas. After Texas, I go back to Champaign for a bit. And then I go to California. And then after that, I go back to Champaign for some training in a student boot camp we do. And then I go to the north suburbs of Chicago. And then I go to Tennessee. Oh, actually, before Tennessee, I go to Joliet, Illinois. Then I go to Tennessee. And then after Tennessee, on about August 5th, I'm going on a pilgrimage to France with Opus Day for eight days. <laughs> and then I come back from France and the school year starts and I'm working on campus with students. So, oh, wow, yeah, wow. All and
1: and where you stay, just
2: staying with, uh, friends yeah. or just whoever or I'm, hotels. I'm, or- I don't want to draw attention to this but I'm pretty sure I'm legally homeless right now um, because <laughs> <laughs> my lease hasn't started yet in Champagne. so yeah oh, it's the generosity wow. of people I'm borrowing my grandma's car staying at my uncle's house um, you know, I borrow cars. I've I've got two different rental cars in the summer. I haven't had to stay at a hotel yet because I've always had people to stay mm, with. So, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of couch hopping.
1: Wow, that that's exciting. Antonio Gonzalez is my guest. Fascinating story. We dignify is the name of the group. We dignify.org. And another interesting thing about Antonio is that uh he uh, likes drums and wants to get a private pilot's license after mm-hmm. graduating so you can move around a little more a little more quickly huh? yeah. uh, so let's uh, after you know France and traveling and everything this summer god willing you earn you know the, the money you need to mm-hmm. to the 80% of your uh, you know what it, what it costs um, of employment, and of course yeah. we'll, we'll we we we're going to encourage people listening right now to to help you and give out a website or phone number or what have you uh, here in a moment but when fall arrives and you're back on the campus in champagne, what's that going to look like?
2: So my main function as a pro-life missionary is to be a mentor. Um, So like I mentioned, every single student leader with We Dignify receives weekly mentoring. So my full-time workload is about six to eight students who I'm mentoring every single week. I also play a very large role in recruitment, as in bringing new students in. Um, So last semester, me and a fellow student leader recognized a need We Dignify has to break out of our Newman Center community because it's a really awesome community, but we can only go so far with that. Um, That's where our offices are in the Newman Center on our campus. It's a residential Mm -hmm. Newman Center with about 500 residents, so it's a really awesome place. We have three full time priests there. Um, but so we have this need to break out. So we put together a proposal for something we're calling recruit team. It's going to be a team of uh, student, veteran leaders who go out to different student organizations and pitch. We dignify and try to help us grow that way. So we, we brought that proposal to a st- staff member last spring. She brought it to the board and they approved it. So they've cut my workload from six mentees down to three. So I can spend that extra time doing this recruit team. Um, so my goal with this coming semester is both to be a, you know a mentor and also to Grow We Dignify's presence on our campus as much as we can. And then looking to the future, I would love to, you know, once we dignify has really grown significantly on our campus to bring us to new campuses, whether in Illinois or across the country, whether in Dallas, where I want to be. So uh-huh. yeah.
1: Well, yeah, so um I, I know I, I think you said you you may be visiting with somebody at U D. Uh mm-hmm. do you do you uh, would you like to be? you'd like to be at some campuses in Texas eventually? Yeah. Uh would you U D might be a, a good fit? Or, uh, I, I, or would you like to go to a public university where it would be a little more challenging?
2: Uh, well, I think we have a challenge ahead of us wherever we go. And I yeah. think even at places where there are a lot of pro-life people, there's still a high level of um, apathy in the sense of I think a lot of people do not um, know how to or do not see the need to, to take direct action in their everyday life to be speaking for life. And that's a big thing that we're seeking to draw out of our students. Um, we're trying to create lifelong pro-life leaders who are not only willing to dialogue, but are starting dialogues in their Mm -hmm. everyday life with friends and family and stuff. So I think no matter where we go, um, that, you know, the power of bringing people out of apathy and into action is a needed thing. Um, so yeah, I've, Met with uh, somebody at SMU. I've met with somebody at UD. I've met with a guy who works for the Archdiocese of Dallas. Um, so I'm trying to make. I, I got to go visit Laredo House too, which is a new pregnancy resource center oh, that yeah. opened up. Meet yeah. them. So I'm yeah. trying to make as many connections as I can, so that if the time ever does come to come to this area, um, you know, I'll, I'll know the people to s- make that happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, is, but by the way, I can't promise. You know, we dignify right now is very focused on growing where we are. So I can't promise that this is going to happen anytime soon. Right, but I really right. wanted
1: to. Yeah, planting seeds and yeah, guys exactly. kind of see how they is we dignify signify Catholic specifically, yeah. or tell us about that affiliation. Ever since
2: 2021, we've claimed. So we've existed for the past 17 years. Um, ever since 20, no, 2020. I'm sorry. Ever since 2020, we've really claimed our Catholic identity. We became a registered Catholic organization. Um, our curriculums are still very much designed in a way where you do not need Catholic faith or any faith for to connect with it. So Catholic faith doesn't come up a lot explicitly in the curriculums. But I'd say so far, most of our students have been Catholic. Um, uh, but yeah, so we are very dedicated to prayer as a team. We say a divine mercy chaplet together every day at three. We go to daily mass together every day at our Newman Center and we have a weekly holy hour. We have one of the um, priests at our Newman Center is our like um, staff chaplain and he does some retreats with us throughout the year. Um, so, yeah, our Catholic faith is very important to everything we do. What is the
1: the relationship between the University of Illinois and We Dignify? Are you physically on campus? Uh do they know or care that you're doing this or uh, uh it seems like I I I maybe I'm stereotyping these public universities but it seems like they're like uh, there might be some pushback even administratively.
2: Yeah. Well, so we're, like I mentioned, we're based out of our Newman Center. Um, There's a registered student organization component to what we do. So we're a 501c3 nonprofit, but we also are a student organization at the same time. Um, And I'd say the student organization really, the reason that we do that is so we have access to like university spaces and stuff, but it's really not a huge part of what we do. It's really more so what we bring through the staff. Um, so our Newman Center is our home, and I don't really know how much the administration at our university has taken note of us, and I've never really had to interact with them. They never um, told us we couldn't do anything. So. Uh, yeah it hasn 't been a problem so far i don 't know if it will be in the future, but I think at least uh, we are in America, and I think that religious freedom and um, freedom of expression and freedom of intellectual freedom is still a strong thing so um, we 've been safe so far
1: mm-hmm. You mentioned about the the very persistent friend who kept yes. inviting you to the small group and you kept saying no and no and no and finally you know you <laughs> acquiesced um, well, what, how, do, how do you advise people on campus to just kind of randomly walking around and find somebody and uh, you know, talk to them or what, what's the, what's the, what's the uh, initial conversation?
2: Are you saying for people who are just out there anywhere yeah, who want to yeah, make, are make you doing difference? that?
1: Or are you just going out and starting conversations with people or, or, well, or, so
2: that's, you know, the daring greatly event does that. And we do have students that do that, um, in their everyday lives. I'll hear, especially from my mentees last semester, I was a part-time mentor and I, so I had two mentees and I would hear stories of like lab partners and stuff who they would just start talking to about abortion. And so, um, I would encourage anybody who, uh, you know, recognizes the dignity of life and recognizes the urgency of the need with abortion. Um, to dialogue about abortion as much as you can. One advantage that our students have is that we train them on how to do that in an, in an effective way. Um, so, you know, it's not totally necessary to have training to dialogue, but it helps a lot. Uh, one thing I will say is that we created a podcast series a few years ago that talks through a lot of the things we teach in small group, and there's a lesson in there of like a 45 minute podcast about our method of dialogue with dignity. Um, so. Mm that that can be very useful for people as well
1: yeah wow amazing you guys have done a lot in in, uh, in a few short years so if somebody is listening now and they're a young person and they're like wow this sounds like something i'd like to do and here they are in north texas you're in you're in champaign illinois yeah uh and we'll get to the money part in a moment because i know you got to raise money but mm-hmm. as far as you know people you, you're you're looking for new missionaries uh, What 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 should they do
2: yeah. Well, so that's, it's great that you mentioned that we are hiring right now. We're hiring pro-life missionaries and we're also hiring a new director of mission formation. Um So if you go to wedignify.org, you'll be able to find all the information for that there. And so if you're nearing the end of your college career, maybe you just graduated um, and you've, you know, feel called to this kind of mission work. Uh, we would love to have you. We'd love to have you apply. And uh you know, right now with the positions we have, it requires uh, you to be physically in Champaign, Illinois, mm-hmm. to come to Champaign. Yeah. Um, that was actually the biggest downside for me of this job is that I wanted to be in Texas or Tennessee where my parents just moved to. I did not want to stay in Illinois, but I you know have made that sacrifice because that's where the need is and that's yeah. where I'm called to be. So I would invite anybody who's interested to check out our website and to consider applying and to join us in Champaign and you know fight for life with us. Yeah. Amen. Uh, Antonio Gonzalez
1: is my guest. Uh, we're down to our last few minutes here. Their website is wedignify.org. You can. See See his bio and some of the other missionaries there along with their vision and mission. So let's talk about the money. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how much money you need to raise Mm -hmm. and uh, how people can help you.
2: Okay, cool. Uh, Well, my goal this summer is to raise $3,000 of monthly support. Um, And so if you want to be part of that mission with me to join me on mission, um, then you can go to wedignify.org slash Antonio and that'll take you specifically to my page and there's a donate button next to the picture of me um, and you can set it up there. It's really simple. You can do, you know, one time, monthly, annual, however you want to do it. Um, and that's a way that you can have an impact through enabling me to go to campus. Um, you can also give organizationally if you want to. We dignify as a whole. There's a separate donation button on the website for that. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities to give and to be generous if that's something that you feel called to do.
1: All right. How's it going so far? Have you uh, had had some support?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's going really well so far. Um, it, it's looking like you know it's going to work out. Um, and so my goal at this point, I, I'm really thinking beyond myself. I want to first be cost, cost neutral to We Dignify, and I want to raise enough money that um, they can really hire new missionaries, and we can expand. And you know, I, I'm really looking toward the future. It's 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 not really about me; it's about the growth of We Dignify. So, and
1: you said you've got raised 80 percent. The other 20 percent comes from We Dignify yeah. itself, and so they're 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 raising money. Yeah, so, they have other organizations. So organizationally, uh, you know, there, is there like an executive director and a team, administrators? Yeah. Or, you, know, you said you're on the Newman campus. They're at Champ so well what do i how, how big is this and how many people are involved so
2: we've got four full-time staff right now me and another pro-life missionary we have a interim director of mission formation as we hire a new one and then we do have an executive director um we've got two part-time student staff a development intern and a recruitment intern um and we have this coming semester nine students who have stepped up to be small group leaders so we got nine small groups coming plus our uh One of our interns is leading three, so 12 small groups. We're going for about 60 students regularly involved each week. They give you a sense, when I led a small group, we only had four small groups and only 15 students involved each week, so we've grown a lot since I became involved. and we're going to continue to try to add you know, small groups every single semester and get to the point where hundreds of students are coming to small group every single week and receiving formation. Um, and I'll very quickly mention that we do have two action teams. We have a serve team that serves men and women on cri- in crisis on campus, and we have a lead team that builds up to the Illinois March for Life. So once students have completed small group, they join these action teams to you know, take what they've learned and bring it to action. So that's kind of our size right now, and we're looking to grow.
1: Mm, wow. Uh, very impressive. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm so glad that you're in the fight and that uh, that friend of yours was persistent <laughs> yeah. enough to get you <laughs> to the small group. And of course, God's grace. And there's there's so many beautiful things happening in your life right now. So Antonio, thank you for the visit. I just want to direct people to that website. Uh, if you would like to help him ra- raise that $3,000 a month in in support so that he can get on the campus and uh, just continue this good work. We org slash Antonio. Uh, we dignify.org slash Antonio. Uh, God bless you. Anything else? we got about 30 seconds, 30
2: uh. seconds. Uh, Man, what else, what else pray, do I want to Pray for you. Yeah, How's pray that? for me. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, before I even had was building a financial team, uh, they had me build a prayer team. So there's five guys who have you know committed to doing extra prayer every single week um, for the ministry that we're doing. So yeah, um, please right. pray for me. All right, thank you so much for being our first interview here yeah, in the new studio.
1: You. Also James Jacoby, who fits the profile perfectly, recent college graduate and uh, great guy. Thank you for running the board, the first interview of all. And thank you for listening. This has been the KTH 9, 10 a.m. Interview of the week here on the... Lupe Radio Network. Have a great rest of your 4th of July anticipatory weekend.
0: Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH nine ten AM interview of the week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic Radio for Your Soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.